are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you might proclaim the mighty hearts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, 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 into his marvellous light. really good way to start our new series. So that reading is uh, from 1 Peter 2. I'm actually going to be reflecting on that later on in my talk today. But we are starting our new series this morning, and it is on the theme of being together. Uh, Being together is so important at the moment, particularly as we walk through this season that we're in, and the chances of being able to be together physically in the way that we're all used to on a Sunday morning when everybody's gathered together and we've got all the noise and the chaos of of being community and family together is challenging. It is important that we keep reflecting on this theme of community because community is at the heart of the Christian walk and we need to recognise that and and realise that. And so this morning I'm going to be speaking about why it is important that we are together. And so, first of all, my first point today is we're going to look at uh, the idea that we are called to a relationship. We're made for a relationship with God and each other. So, first thing to say today is that humanity was made to bear God's image. So, in Genesis 1.27, it says this, So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So in Genesis, we see God creating humans, and we see God creating them in his image. He makes us in his image. He sets us apart from the rest of uh, the animal kingdom, and he makes us in his image. What is that image like? Well, look, at the very heart of God is a community and relationship. So God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in perfect relationship and community within the Trinity. The triune God, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one who's always existed in perfect unity of relationship, makes us in his image. So God, the triune God, makes us in his image. He makes us for community and relationship. As his image bearers, we bear the same image of community and relationship. And God makes us for that community. And actually, when we start to look through Genesis, we get to Genesis chapter 2. We find that Adam, as God makes Adam, he realizes that it is not good for Adam to be on his own. Adam is useless, basically, on his own. And he needs somebody to help him because he's useless on his own. He can't do life on his own. So God makes Eve to be with Adam. We read this in Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It's just not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now, you could read the word helper in a kind of derogatory sense. Oh, it's just a kind of helper. The same word for helper here is the same word we have for the Holy Spirit later on. The Holy Spirit is used as our helper. Actually, we're empowered to live the Christian life because of the Holy Spirit. Eve comes alongside Adam. They exist in human community because they need one another. They need this relationship. Adam is useless on his own. These, these first people, the, our, four, our four parents, were made for community. They existed with one another in perfect community and in perfect community with God, who, as we see in Genesis, walks with them in the garden. 
And as the story of Adam and Eve unfolds, we see the rejection of God severing this perfect relationship. I speak about this a lot because you need to understand that the first uh, few chapters of Genesis are some of the most important themes in the Bible. They explain our situation now, that the result of what happened with Adam and Eve is the, very, is the very reason that we are in the situation that we are in, separated and alienated from God, and needing Jesus to come and change the situation. So Adam and Eve, they, they, they reject God, they sever their perfect relationship with him, they no longer walk with God, and the relationship with him was damaged. But you know, also their relationship with one another is damaged too. As they reject God, as they decide to do what God's told them not to do and eat of the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as they do that, their relationship with one another is damaged. You'll see this in Genesis 3 verse 16. God actually uh, punishes them and says, look, because of what you've done, there is now going to be a severing of your relationship with one another. He actually says, look, this perfect relationship that you've got is now going to be changed so that, that Eve, your, your will is going to be contrary to Adam's. You're always going to be against one another. And, and actually, Adam is going to rule over you. Hence, this partnership of governing God's world and governing God's creation, this partnership, this equal partnership turns into a toxic patriarchy. You see this in Genesis quite clearly. And then you see that their children are not much better either, are they? Cain kills his brother Abel. And then, gradually, throughout the Old Testament, you see a spiral of violence and hate as humans continue to fight against one another. They, they come together at Babel, but only to make themselves like God, and God splits them up even more. And so they start speaking other languages. Why? Because actually, we just don't get along with each other. We have a broken community with God, and we have a broken community with each other. We were made to need each other, yet because of our rejection of God, we end up thinking we can get by on our own. Do you remember the Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way? You know, that, that song is, is just so often a song for our culture. We like to do life on our own, and actually we kind of celebrate when we've done it on our, on our own. I encountered somebody recently who, um, they, 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 they've, got, they've got cancer, and, uh, and I basically said to them, look, we, we run a chronic pain group as a church. Would you like to find out more about it? And they said to me, no, 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 I, 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 don't, I don't want any help. I don't need any help. I don't need anybody to help me. I can do this on my own. And I said to them, look, actually, it would be really good for you to engage in community because community is where you can kind of get help and support. And we would love to support you if you ever want to. And, and, and they said, no, I, I honestly, I can do this on my own. That, that kind of thought of being able to do life on our own comes back to the fall. Adam and Eve's rejection of God's way separates them from God and from each other. Humankind are alienated and strangers from God, but also from one another. The, the, the good news of the gospel is that God, in his great mercy, makes a way for us to once again have relationship with him, not only allowing us to draw near to him, but placing his spirit inside of us. If you're in Christ, the Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life. But that is not what the gospel achieves. And I think so often in a Western context, we think that the Christian life is all about you, ourselves. We think about, it's about me and my life. But the gospel achieves much more than that. It doesn't just mend your relationship with God, but it draws you into a new community. Because of Christ's work on the cross and the resurrection, you're brought into a family. 
Peter reflects on this. He's reflecting on the fact that actually because of what Jesus has done, there is no now no barrier between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. There was this hostility that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles. And Paul says that because of what Jesus has done, this wall of hostility has been broken down. Let me just read you this from Ephesians. Ephesians 2, verses 15 to 19. Jesus abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. And might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those that were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. And look, that's not just true of the Ephesian Christians. It's not just true of Jew and Gentile. It's true of all of us. Actually, if you are in Christ, you have been brought into a new community. We have been reconciled to God through Jesus, but also reconciled to one another because of what Jesus has done. Through the cross, we have been reconciled in a new community. So my second point is this. As Christians, we belong to a new community. God's brought us into his family. You'll see this throughout the Bible. Actually, even when God promises that um, to Abraham that his descendants will be like the stars in the sky, as the writer to the Hebrews reflects on that, he writes that actually Abraham took hold of that in faith. And we belong to that community by faith. It's not a bloodline heritage. It's a faith community that God is promising to Abraham. Being a Christian isn't about existing in isolation, but it's about existing in community. God made us for community, and he's created a a family that we are drawn into. And that's where we get to our verses that we looked at this morning. We looked at uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But let me read you 1 Peter 2, verse 10. It says this, For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We belong together right, Peter. Once we weren't a people, once we were alienated from one another, once we were strangers to one another and strangers to God, but because of Jesus in his great mercy, he draws us together as a family. We're called to be together. It's not just you and your walk with Jesus, always alone. It's us together as a community of faith. We're kind of like Liverpool Football Club. I'm sorry, I hate to say that, but it's true. Because actually, Liverpool sing that song, don't they, at the start of every game. Well, they don't at the moment because there's nobody in the stadium. But when there are people there, they sing, you'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. That's what it means to be in Christian community. When we're in community together, it means that we are always together. You should never walk alone if you are a Christian. It's really important that you hear my heart on this because this is why we're doing this whole series. Being a Christian doesn't just start and end with you accepting Jesus and being bound for eternity with him. Because you could be kind of pretty much convinced by, if you look at some Christian teaching, in, in particularly in, West, in a Western context, that that's what Christianity is about. It's about your personal salvation. Being a Christian makes you part of a family. And as we've been reflecting on the season that we all find ourselves in with COVID-19... As a leadership, it's brought the idea and the the whole thing of community to the very forefront of our minds. You see, the danger of the season that we're in is that the longer that we are apart, 
the easier it is to forget the importance of being in a community and drift towards an individual form of Christianity. You could have this sort of mentality. Well, I've got YouTube for worship. I can listen to whatever I want, the best worship bands from across the world. I can get the best preaching straight to my computer at home. Why would I want to listen to Barney on a Sunday when I can have X, Y, or Z speaking to me instead? I can, I can access the best Christian content from the, the, the best Christians around. Happy days, you might say to yourself. And you could end up at the point where, actually, you maybe you started watching uh, Gateway's feed, but you've gradually kind of switched off from it, and you've started watching other things instead of this. Maybe this is just an addendum to the other things you're starting to do in your Christian life. But look, Christian formation and the Christian life is not about doing things on your own. It's about being part of a community. And I would say it's about being part of a local community as well. And I think uh, where possible, we want to be a local community. I read in an article recently, so I'm writing my dissertation at the moment for my master's, and I, I'm, I'm focusing on the idea of how, you can, how we can make disciples uh, when we can't meet face-to-face. So I'm looking at the idea of doing it digitally. And I found this article, and it, and it was titled this, The Internet is now awash with Christian content, but am I growing more like Christ? The, the Internet is awash with Christian content. Isn't it great that you can access brilliant preaching? It is. It's fantastic. Isn't it great that you can watch... Brilliant Christian worship videos. It is. It's brilliant. But if you make those the, the, the sole basis of your faith, actually you are going to be missing something. Because I don't think that that's where you grow to be like Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews, I've said this before, this is from Hebrews 10, reminds their readers not to neglect the habit of meeting together. And I use that verse a lot because it's a really important one. But there's a context to it I don't always mention. So this is uh, Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. So they say this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I'm going to say that again, that's important. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, as, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I really want to see everyone in our church community, anybody who accesses Gateway, whether you're part of the, 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 the family as a member or whether you just come along every week, I really want to see you grow in your walk with Jesus. I desperately do. You know, there's this verse in the Bible that, that talks about uh, pastors, actually, when we come and stand before Jesus, Jesus is actually going to say, well, what did you do it, as, as an under-shepherd? What did you get up to? And I know I'm, I'm going to be held to account by him for that. And my heart for you as an individual, for all of us as a church, is that you grow in your walk with Jesus, desperately. That's what, I'm, I'm, that's what keeps me awake at night and, and makes me more concerned than anything, is are you, as a member of this church, growing in your walk with Jesus? If you are wanting to grow in your walk with Jesus, grow in your relationship with him, your obedience to him and understanding of him, you will grow best when you walk with other people. That's what the Bible teaches. what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. They're saying, look, consider how to stir one another up to love and good works by not neglecting meeting together. You need to meet together in order to stir one another up. Why do people go to gym classes? Why, why, why do people do that? I mean, clearly I don't have any experience. Why do people go to gym classes or hire a, a personal trainer? 
Well, look, they know they need to, the encouragement. They know they need that somebody alongside of them to help them or a group of people where they can exercise with them and get fit alongside them, where they can be encouraged and challenged and stirred up to greater fitness levels. Perhaps even sometimes they need to imitate the person that they're training with to learn how to do what they're doing better. Paul writes this to the Corinthians. I don't write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became to you a father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then to be imitators of me. We have countless guides. More so than ever. You can go on your phone right now and find countless guides. Even on the Bible app, you can find hundreds of different preachers and theologians and writers giving you different reading plans for the week ahead. We have countless guides, countless YouTube videos, countless podcasts, countless worship CDs, countless opinions on Twitter by different Christians, countless posts on Facebook videos by different Christians. What Paul is saying here is if you want to mature in your faith, You don't just need guidance. You don't. He says you've got many guides to the Corinthians, but you don't have many fathers. You see, parents don't just give guidance to their children. They don't. Hopefully they do, but but they don't just give guidance. See, guidance is a good thing. Paul's not slating guidance here. He's saying you don't just need that. You need something more than that. You see, parents have an intimate relationship with their children. They know them. Children watch and learn what you do, parent, at home. They see how you're behaving. You know, we were joking about this because, uh, like, sometimes in the car, our children will pick up on the things we say about bad drivers around us. So, for example, uh, the other day, somebody cut us up, and Jude just shouted out from the back, you idiot, Um, because clearly that's what we say when uh, our children are in the car with us. Children watch and learn. They watch what you're doing. You see, actually, we grow in faith as we not only just watch and, uh, watch and listen, but we grow as we learn from others around us. We grow through imitation. Paul encourages the Corinthians to grow through imitating him, and he sends Timothy to them, that's the verse after I've read to you, as somebody that they can imitate. To grow in your faith, you have to cultivate and expose yourself to relationships which go beyond the niceties of friendships that stir up your faith. The danger that's been exposed by COVID is that the church is a place that you can just go to on a Sunday and not a people you can belong to. That's the danger. The danger is, is that actually, in the whole thing of COVID, what, what happens is, is that I, I, can, I can kind of click online and go on church on a Sunday morning, but I don't have to speak to anybody during the week. I don't have to engage with anybody from the church. I can just go to this place on a Sunday morning. Where are you with that as an individual? Some of us don't want to get involved in church community. Maybe we never have, but actually it's a lot easier now that we don't have to go on a Sunday. Maybe you were one of those people who would turn up on a Sunday morning and you'd be straight in at 10 o'clock and straight out at 11.30 and that that would be all because you don't want to engage with people in community. There are reasons for that. First of all, maybe there's a fear of rejection in you. Maybe you're scared that if you open up your heart to people and people see what you're really like, that, that you might be rejected. Well, we're a family, and families don't reject one another. We accept and we love and we stir one another up to love and good works. Or secondly, maybe you've been attending, maybe you've been attending even online, but you haven't connected with us yet. 
Maybe you've been coming along secretly at home and, and you've not actually told us who you are. And maybe that's because you're fearful or because you'd like to stay unknown. We've had two prophecies over the last two weeks about there being people watching who, and we don't know who you are yet. And the prophecy is this, God knows you, God loves you, and God knows you by name. God knows you by name. And maybe you've been watching us and you've just been thinking to yourself, does, does anybody care about me? Well, God cares about you. And do you know how you can know how God cares about you is by getting involved in this church community because we will demonstrate the love of God to you. We will demonstrate what Christ's love looks, looks like to you. There's an invite to you today just to connect with us. So maybe that's you. Thirdly, maybe you're lazy. Maybe you can't be bothered to join a connect group on Zoom because all you do all day is attend Zoom meetings with your work. And maybe you just can't be bothered to do it. And maybe that's just a, a sort of, I'm so tired as a result of this. But underneath that, could there be some laziness is a question I've got for you. Or maybe you're using busyness as an excuse not to engage in community. I'm just too busy for community. God knows that you need community. You were made for a relationship, you were made for community, and in that community and in those relationships, you were made for something else. We were made for purpose. I've already hinted at this. One reason God brings us together is to care for one another, care for one another, love one another, and help one another grow in our faith. But that is not the only reason for Christian community. As we heard on that intro video today, 1 Peter 2 Verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. We are brought together as a people for a reason. That's what this verse says. We're called together as a people that we might proclaim Jesus, that we might proclaim the kingdom. We are a people called together for a purpose, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom together. Church should be an example of what God intends community to look like and proclaim the glory of the gospel. These are things you can't do on your own. So here's a couple of questions just before I finish. Are you growing in your enthusiasm for the kingdom or are you bored in your faith? Because if you are, maybe it's because you need to be part of the community. Are you growing in your desire to know God's presence or are you happy to be on your own? Because again, these are reasons why you need to get engaged in the community. So three points of application for you and then I've got an announcement to make. So here's my points of application. Join a group. Sign up for a group. We've got spaces still. We've got 18 groups running this term and we've got spaces. Sign up for a group. I realise that not everybody can sign up for a group and I totally understand that. I understand that some of us just can't do it. We can't fit it in uh, to our schedules or the life that we have. I, I understand that. And, but if you can join up to a group, why not sign up to one and get involved? Even if you can't attend every week, surely it's better to be engaged in a community that, like irregularly than it would be not at all. Secondly, maybe as you've looked at the groups that we've uh, created for the term ahead, you go, none of these groups are what, what I really feel uh, I'm being called to. What about thinking about, for next term, coming to us with an idea to start a group? Maybe God's got a, a, a something on your life where you could start a group. Thirdly, and this is probably the most important one of all for us, let's make time for one another. Let's make time for one another to pick up the phone and call, to uh, text, to meet up, to just pop in on somebody and say hi. 
Let's make time for one another. Because as we do that, we're demonstrating the love of God in the community we're in. Okay, so lastly. So this is an addendum to the preach. I realise that I've uh, gone on. And uh, I'm going to now finish with my announcement. So this is, uh, this is the uh, end of my, my preach. is now finished. And I'm now going to announce something to you. So we want to do as much as possible to help foster community in the season that we're in. And we know that we can't meet as we used to. But we feel the increasing need to facilitate ways for us to meet together safely. So looking at the potential of another six months of restrictions has led us as a leadership to make some key decisions about how we can facilitate some safe gatherings together. We've looked at the uh, places of worship guidance, uh, really have like studied it in detail, and it's really boring. And uh, uh, we believe that we've got a sensible approach that enables us to do more. Personally, I was unhappy with just inviting a few people into our live stream each week. You know, so we've worked out what our capacity is with social distancing and wearing face masks, and it's 35 in the space we've got. I was unhappy to say, well, let's just do one meeting a week, because that would mean that in a church where we've got, what, 300 adults on our, on our church suite uh, account, we have about 220 adults, and that's not including youth and children, engaged in us on a Sunday if we were meeting normally. We would, it would take seven weeks for you to be able to come to church again. So you come once, and then you'd be waiting another seven weeks to come along again. That doesn't sound to me like a good opportunity for community. So we are trying to create, and we're going to look to hopefully create more opportunities on top of what we're announcing this morning. We are trying to create as many opportunities as possible for us to gather. We've decided, therefore, to host multiple meetings each week at the Riverside, and each is going to have a slightly different flavour. And we are going to, this is going to become our new normal until we're able to meet normally. Okay, so um, if there are, uh, if there's the situation we're facing at the moment, as we, we're not in a lockdown, uh, we are in these restricted environment where we have to wear masks when we come together, where we can't sing, where we have to maintain distance. For, for the length of time we are able, uh, we are able to do, do that, we are going to do what I'm uh, showing you now. So here are these meetings we're going to do. And these are from the 18th of October. So from the 18th of October, we are going to have a 10 o'clock meeting, as we do at the moment. And so you'll still be able to watch online. So if you can't make it into the building, you'll be able to watch online. Uh, and I understand, like, for many of us with, with children, we probably won't want to be able to attend. So 10, 10 o'clock for the live stream. Then at 11.30, there's going to be another meeting. And uh, that meeting is going to have a, the, the show the recorded preach from the 10 o'clock and the recorded worship, but it's going to have some live elements. So things like communion, praying for one another, uh, talking is going to have community to it. So they're the two meetings on Sunday morning at the moment. In the afternoon on a Sunday, very excited about this one, Sam and Becca are going to be uh, running a 40 to 45 minute family meeting. And that is going to be for a capacity of 11 families, meeting socially distanced, having to stay on a mat as a family unit. And it's going to be aimed at ages 3 to 11. But all families are welcome to that. And so the opportunity there to bring your children into church and worship with them and have fun with them and learn about God together will be a great opportunity. And lastly, at the moment, we're going to just be offering one week, one meeting midweek on a Thursday lunchtime. And this will be a church-style meeting. There will be an opportunity to worship together, an opportunity to take communion together, to pray together. And so maybe for you, maybe you've found that you're now working from home every day and you've got time at lunchtime. Why not do church during the week? Maybe you're not in employment at the moment. Why not come along rather than on a Sunday? Why not do it on the Thursday? 
So this is another opportunity for you to uh, engage with us. So if we, I don't know whether that slide up, but if we can just cut back to me for a minute before I finish. So here are the, the, the four opportunities that we're offering at the moment. And I'm hoping that if these go well and that there is take up for it, that we will be able to announce further meetings as well. Uh, but this is where we are starting. This gives us a capacity um, of around just over 100, uh, being able to get 100 adults through on a Sunday. And it also enables us to start the process of meeting together. We are obviously having to change the way we do things, but we need to recognise that we're called together as a family. We're called together for, as a community, and we belong in relationship with one another. And so my encouragement to you is, as we announce more about this over the week ahead, um, as we will be, uh, please keep an eye open for it, and consider signing up and coming along one Sunday. It is going to be COVID safe, trust me, it really is. Um, but it is an opportunity for you to be part of community and to see one another again. Let's pray as we finish. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've drawn us together from every, uh, every people group, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, Lord, that we have in our church. And Lord, I thank you that you've called us together as one new man in Christ. Lord, I thank you that you've reconciled us by your blood. And I thank you that you've made us for community. And so, Lord, we pray in the season ahead as we look forward to hopefully what is exciting news today about the opportunity to meet together again. Lord, I pray that you'd stir enthusiasm, stir encouragement, and I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd stir our hearts for greater community with one another as we walk through uh, this unprecedented season that we still find ourselves in. Amen. Well, that's it from me today, and that's it from us. So thank you very much, and look forward to seeing you next Sunday. <laughs>